Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord today. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord. You are holy, O Lord. My God, David said, he said, I was thankful when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait for Sunday. Because Sunday is when we gather together. When we get together in unity. And when we begin to tell the enemy that this week is not yours, but this week is God's. This week is not given over to you, but this week, this week is for my God. This week has been accepted by Jesus Christ. He has called this week mine. He has called this week holy. He has called this week righteous. He has called this week free of disease. He's called it free of iniquity. He's called it holy. And some of us have to start believing that this week. That this week is not the devil's. Last week is behind me, but this week is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. we got to start proclaiming it. we got to take authority over the pains and the destruction that this world is trying to tell us is the truth. Because it's a, it's a lie. It's a lie. We find power and righteousness in the, in the word of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. He rose from the grave. Why? So that he could show us that there is life after death. That we do not no longer die because he already did. That holy life resides in me and you when you receive him. If you get nothing else out of today, I want you to get that. My God, he, he just, there's so much passion in my soul for who Jesus is. There's so much passion in my soul for what he did. Because you know what? I was broken. I was distraught. I was hurting. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I, I knew that I wasn't walking the life God had for me. But I knew that, that God was, was still there. And I had to call on him. And some of you might be here today knowing that God is still there. And for some reason, you walked into church today. And you're not sure why. Somebody invited you. Somebody called you. Somebody texted you. Somebody said, hey, you want to come to church with me today? And you're like, man, I ain't been to church in like 10 years. Or I used to go to church with my parents, but I don't want nothing to do with it now. But for some reason, you're here. It is not by accident, but it is by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is calling you. He is calling your name. And he wants you to hear in the name of Jesus today. You have been walking the wrong way. You have been walking in the way of the world. You have been giving yourself over to the lusts and the desires of this world. And you have, you have seen the lies. You have seen those things that you know are not truth. And God is calling you to walk in a straighter path today. He's, he's, his desire is you. His desire is you. Make no mistake, there is no other desire that he desires more than you. His passion is for you. Regardless of where you've been, where you are, or where you think you're going to be. You have the ability to change the direction of your life in the choice that you make from this day forward. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the answer. He's always been the answer. He's the one that said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the one that created this earth. He's been the answer from the beginning. And even when we don't seem to get it right, he still brings the answer. 
He brought forth his, God brought forth his son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that we could be reconnected with God because our sinfulness and our brokenness has separated us from him. He brought Jesus to endure beatings, to endure blasphemies, to endure unholiness and unrighteousness of this world. He was beaten into the sin that I did. He was beaten into the sinful man that I was. See, he had to look like a sinner. He had to look like one that was being judged when he went to the cross. Your sins laid on his shoulders. And you may say that's not fair, but you know what? He said it is fair. He said, I will take it. I want you to be in the kingdom of God. I want to give you every right that you deserve from the beginning of this earth. From the very, for very words that I spoke, let there be light. I want light inside of you. And you may be carrying around darkness today, but God wants light in your heart. He wants light in your life. He is sick of watching you go through darkness. You're sick of walking through darkness. It's time to just give confession to Jesus Christ. This world needs Jesus. This world needs His power. This world needs His freedom. This world needs His light. This world needs the power of the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus freely gave it. We just have to accept it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this day. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your righteousness. We thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross, and we thank you for the resurrection. And Lord, we thank you that you gave us the promise that you are coming again, and that you will come in the righteousness of your glory, that you will come with your armies, that you will come and you will have your victory. You will have the victory from the foundations of this earth. And Lord, we declare your presence in this place today. We declare your power in this place today. We declare the Holy Spirit come and in, in dwell in us today. Allow us to feel you. Allow us to hear you, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we would see you, that we would be enlightened, Jesus, Lord, to understand your ways, to understand your truths, and to know that you have called us out of the darkness and placed us in the light. And, Lord, I pray that revelation would come to every person in this place, that we would not leave the same, that we came to be changed, that we came to grow, that we came to understand your power and your truth in our lives. Lord, I pray that your word would set root in our hearts, that it would change us from the foundations of who we are and Lord that you would have your way in this place I come against every demonic and, and, and devilish thing in this house today and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ Lord God rebuke you Satan from this house we come against every curse and every hex that may be over any person that walked in and in the name of Jesus we interrupt and we overturn it and we throw it back to the pit of hell in the name of Jesus right now that he shall not have his way in this place I command angels to come to, to, to encamp around this place and to minister to us Lord to protect us from those spiritual things in Jesus name we overtake the airways not only only in this church, but we overtake the airways of this city and of this state and of this world in the name of Jesus. And we declare the power of Jesus Christ in every place today in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Well, we're going to talk about prayer today. What does the Bible say? We are in a series, a current series about what does the Bible say? We all have these questions. We all have these things in our life that we don't really understand. We talk about in church. And sometimes we, we just go along in agreement. We don't really know what the Bible says. So the purpose of this series is to tell you what the Bible says about certain subjects. What does the Bible actually say? So I don't have to listen and take 
someone else's opinion. See, there's something that the, what the Bereans, when Paul was ministering, he went to this place in Berea, and he told them about Jesus Christ. And Jesus died on the cross. And that the scriptures projected who Jesus was. And then he came to save the world. That he was the Messiah. And the, and the Bereans weren't 100% sure about Paul. Now we, we love Paul, right? We love his writings. We love everything that he said because there's just so much truth in it. But the Bereans were kind of unsure. They're like, well, I'm not just going to take what this guy says and believe it. But we're going to line it up with the scripture. And if it lines up with the scripture, then we will accept it. And that's exactly what the Bereans did. They went back to the scriptures and they found out that Jesus the Messiah was supposed to suffer the things that, that Paul was telling them, that he would die and that he would rise again. And then they believed. So I challenge you today to take everything that you learn in this series and any other scripture, uh, pastoral or sermon that you hear and, and bring it back to the word. Does it foundationally say what they're saying? And you have to begin to take the good from the bad and you, you take the things that are that are scripturally true, that are understandingly true in the word, and you apply them to your lives. And if they're not, then you just set them aside until you can find that they are. This is the idea behind this. Let's, it's time to get in our Bibles and find out what it really says. Our theme verse for this series is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. All Scripture is inspired by God. See, we look to the Scriptures to find our teaching, to find our fundamentals. We look to the Scriptures to understand what God is saying. And we know by this Scripture that the Word says that all Scripture was inspired by God. So it came from God. It was no man's opinion or his own thought, but it came from God. It was inspired by God so that they wrote them. They, they, the scriptures were carefully chosen to create the Bible. And so we know that they're 99.99999% accurate with the writings all the way back that they found from the, from the original scriptures. I think the earliest writings are close to like 200 A.D. after Christ. That's a long time ago. The Bible is still today the most sold book. <laughs> I heard, this is pretty cool, maybe you guys can remember this, but I heard a guy say one time, he said, you know the Bible it has, been trying, has, has been trying to be disproved over and over and over again. And every one of those people that has tried to disprove the Bible has come and gone. But that Bible is still here today. That foundation has not left. That foundation has not been removed. That foundation remains true, as true as it is today as it was when it was written. So if you're, if you're thinking you're going to disprove the Bible, if you're thinking that this stuff isn't true, you've got a, a big battle ahead of you. I'll pray for you. <laughs> My God. What you get out of the Scripture is how you read the Scripture. If you're looking in the Scriptures and trying to find falsalities and, and, and disprove it, you're never going to see the revelations of God. But if you're searching for God in the Scriptures, you will begin to find and unravel revelation. You'll begin to find and unravel truth in every story. And sometimes we read the Bible and we get confused. It's time to ask questions. It's time to look a little. It's time to pray. It's time to seek God. 
The focus of my, my message today is prayer. And I have a lot of notes. I have a lot of content. But I can tell you right now that I'm probably not going to get through half of it. Because God doesn't need you to hear all of it. He just needs to stir you enough so you'll search for yourself. There's so much, so much good in this word. But what is prayer? We talk about it all the time. I think everybody naturally has an understanding of what prayer is. They naturally have an understanding that, that prayer is natural, right? We just go to it. When everything else runs out, for some reason we seem to go to some kind of prayer. And we don't really need to know exactly what prayer is because we, we, we understand the word. But what I want to show you this morning is that prayer in the, in the Hebrew Bible is a means of interacting with God. Prayer is a way of relating to God in opening our hearts and minds and souls to God, challenging us to grow, change, and to love. Prayer is relational. I could tell you this morning that if you do not have prayer in your life, your relationship with God is suffering. See, when you begin to date somebody, you tend to go out and spend time with them, right? You just don't go, hey, you, yep, let's get married. No more talking. We're good. That's not how we do it, right? We begin to develop conversations. We ask questions. We, we tell each other our likes and our dislikes. And we form this understanding of who each other is and are. Your past, your, your present, and your future, your dreams. What you like to do, what you don't like to do. And you develop a conversation to begin to relate to one another, to say, hey, this person's pretty neat. I kind of like them. Maybe. And you go deeper and deeper in the conversation. Usually it's not that first meeting or that first conversation that tells you, yup, this is it. No more talking. We're good. I'm done. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Some of your marriages may be like that, so I'm... You know, we've got to pray about that. Some of your relationships may be like that. And sometimes we get stuck in places where we, we just quit talking. And we say, I don't want you to know any more about you, but I still want to keep you around. Are you doing that with God today? Hallelujah. See, we have to spend time with God. We have to ask Him questions. We have to tell him our likes, our dislikes. We have to ask him his likes, his dislikes. Tell him your past. Tell him your present. Tell him your future dreams. Ask him about your future. Ask him what he has planned for you. Begin to conversate with God. Sit down with him at the dinner table and ask him those questions. Conversate, relate, understand, be intentional with God. See, prayer is our intentional meeting place with God. Prayer is not just for Sunday morning. Prayer is not for just your Bible study. Prayer is not just for that time that you really felt like you needed God. Prayer isn't just when you're hurting. Prayer isn't when you're just broken. Prayer isn't when you think you're dying. Prayer isn't just for sickness. Prayer is an intentional meeting with God day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. And I'm going to tell you this right now. We're going to go to a scripture. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 16 through, 18, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I, I read those three scriptures to focus on the one scripture in the middle. Pray without ceasing. You may say, what about my job? What about everything else that I have to do? Pray without ceasing doesn't mean that you're on your knees at the altar 24 hours a day. But praying without ceasing means that you are developing a prayer life to which you bring God into your life. Where you, where you look at Him, you, you focus on Him, and you allow Him to say, God, what about this here? You know, I had this conversation with this person this morning. And you get your morning coffee in the morning, and you, and you take a sip, and you say, well, good morning, Lord. That's prayer. Or you just sit and listen. What do you have for me today, Lord? And you allow him to speak to you. See, it's a two-way conversation. We can't get stuck in the pathway of which we're only speaking on one end because we'll wear out. I don't know about you guys, but when I started to develop a prayer life, 30 seconds, I was like, okay, I got nothing else. They tell me I got to do this for hours. That's, our, that's reality. That's where we come to because we lay our hearts before God and we're like, that, that's it. That's all I got, God. And we stop. I want to challenge you today to not stop praying, but to pray without ceasing. Allow God to become your focus. Enter into to, to prayer with Him on a daily basis, an hourly basis. Some, you know, sometimes you just got to start small. Maybe right now you're only praying on Sundays. Maybe you're not even doing that. It's okay. We all start somewhere. But I want to challenge you to, to make prayer a part of your everyday to get up in the morning and, and, and say a prayer first. Or maybe at your lunch hour, you say, I'm God, I'm going to pray to you at my lunch hour. And begin to dialogue with God. And the more you dialogue with God, the more you'll want to talk with Him. Because He will reveal things to you. And you'll get things off of your chest. And, and you'll, you'll begin to, to have a, a relationship with Him. It's really hard to want to go on a second date with somebody when you didn't say anything to each other on the first one. And your friend asks you, well, how was it? And you're like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they're pretty boring. And we don't attempt to even try to conversate with God. We have to begin the conversation with Him. He has been there from the beginning. And He is waiting for you. He's not somebody that's going to run off at the mouth. He's going to wait and he's going to listen. He's going to allow you to speak. He's going to allow you to share your heart. He's going to allow you to get angry with him. He's going to allow you to be sad with him. He's going to allow you to tell him what you think should happen. And he will take it all into consideration. But if you listen long enough, he will begin to unravel and reveal His plans for your life. He will begin to show you your purpose, your will. There's a couple questions I want to go over today. Questions that I ask myself. Questions that, that bring me to where, where am I in my prayer life? When do you pray? Is prayer something you do often, or is it only when you're at church or in a small group setting? Is prayer something that you, that you try to do often, or are you just praying when somebody else prays 
Are you just agreeing with a prayer? Are you just praying when it's convenient for you? When do you pray? Do you pray in the morning? Do you pray at night? But when do you pray? There's a scripture in Matthew 6, 6 that says, But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer must be part of our everyday. When you go on that date, I'm going to focus on this date thing today. When you go on that date, you like want everybody there with you? That's awkward, right? Everybody's looking at you and you're like, okay, what are you going to say next? Ooh, that probably wasn't good. <laughs> you know? We probably don't want everybody there with you. It's the same with God. Go and, and, and talk to God in secret. And God will reveal things in secret to you. I'm not saying don't, don't do, you know, prayer together with others, but you begin to establish a, a prayer life with God in, in the secret. And He will reveal, reveal secrets to you. He will begin to unravel those things that He has for you in every aspect of your life because you are coming to Him. You're, you're calling unto Him in the secret place. And He will reward you. See, it's not about other people seeing you pray, that you're a great, awesome, praying person. It's not about getting the reward of this earth and people being like, whoa, they're a prayer. Every time I see them, they're praying. Every time I see them, they're all up in it. They're talking with God. It's not about receiving that reward on this earth. It's about making time to go before the Lord, to get together with Him, and begin to talk. And to begin to converse with Him. Because that intentional meeting place between you and God is where you will cultivate a foundational relationship that He will begin to use you in places that He's never used you before. Because you are subjecting yourself to Him. You are humbling yourself before Him. And He calls you to that place. He calls you to the place where He can reward you. Are you making time for Him? Are you making that intentional time with God? It's got to be a part of our everyday. Why do you pray? Or when do you pray? The next question I have is, what do you pray for? What are you praying for? What drives you to pray? Often when we pray, it's a result of usually our current situation, where we've been, where we're going. I challenge you this morning to ask yourself what drives you to pray because if we're only praying when, when life gets hard and we're only praying when things aren't going our way, we're robbing God of conversation. We're robbing ourselves of that relationship with Him. Do you think a mother and a father only want to hear the pains and hurts of their children? Do you think when you're on that date that the only thing that that other person wants to hear is everything that sucks in your life? Probably not. Probably like, whoa, this guy's like heavy, you know? <laughs> Needy, right? 
But God wants to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. He wants to hear everything. What drives you to pray? Do other people drive you to pray? Do people that you love drive you into prayer because you see that they're going through something? Or because you see that they need God, that they need to be strengthened, that you want to see their relationship grow? What drives you to prayer? Are you praying for those that persecute you? The Bible says in Matthew 5.44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you praying for those who are hurting you? Are you praying for those who are persecuting you? Or are you only praying for the people that you like? Or are you only praying for yourself? See, we're caught up in a day where selfishness is huge. And all we want to do is be concerned about where we're at and where we're going and, and the things that we're going through. Why? God, is this so difficult for me? And we don't get the focus off of ourselves. We can't even focus on God in prayer. We're focusing on ourselves in prayer. And until we get everything out that, that, that is wrong with us and everything that's going wrong in our lives, we then stop praying. Okay, God, fix it. And then we whine to God that our prayer is not answered. There's no wonder that date didn't show back up again. You thought you were having a second one. You went to dinner and no, they never showed up. You already told him everything. God wants a dialogue with you. He wants to understand who you are. It's not just about you. It's not just about the people that you love, that you like. It's too easy. Even sinners pray for those that they love. Pray for those that they like. Pray for those that are nice to them. It's easy to love people that love us. That's natural. God called us to walk not of this world, right? That means loving our enemies as ourselves. That means praying for those that persecute us. That is a difficult thing to do. That means praying for political leaders that you may not like. Reality check. That means dealing with things that you may be uncomfortable with. But God gives us the power and the ability to do that through prayer. We have to lay these things before him and say, I know that's not the person that I wanted, God, or they're really treating me harsh, God, but I still want your goodness for them. I still want your truth for them. I still want to see them be healed. I still want to see them be delivered. I still want to see them have a relationship with you. The beauty of prayer is that we can lay everything that we have before God, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all these things, and God will begin to, to reveal to us the desires and His will for us. Don't rob God of your conversation. Don't take away from him hearing from you. One thing I used to say to youth way back when I was younger, I, I talked to them about this prayer thing, and I was like, wouldn't it be rough if you were a parent and you had kids and they never said one word to you your entire life? When I said that, I was young, and it hit me as hard then as it hits me today. How could a parent spend their entire life never hearing from their child, spending all day in the same household. 
Not hearing a word. Not even being recognized. Not even being looked to. Not even being desired. Are you talking to God? Maybe you've never talked to God today. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been robbing God, God of your conversation because you think you're not worthy to talk to Him. It's not about you. One thing a good friend of mine said, it's here today, Tyler Rice, I'm going to quote him. He said, it's not about the power of the one praying, but it's about the power of the one you're praying to. Hallelujah. Don't you worry about who you are and what you think you can say and what you think you can put out before God. You're like, I can never pray like that. I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the ability to say those words. I'm not, I'm not able to articulate the way that they are. God does not care. You can say, Lord, help me. And he could show up in an instant. It's not about you or me. It's about him, his faithfulness, his holiness, his power, his glory. He will show up. Are you calling on him today? Are you calling on him? I got to get moving. What happens when my prayer is not answered? What happens when everything you say doesn't show up? When God doesn't answer my prayer? This is a hard question. It's a question that is asked by very many people. Because the reality is that a lot of us have been praying for stuff for a very, very long time. A lot of us have been asking God, for things in our life. And we've been praying for people. And God has not showed up. A lot of us are in situations where we're like, God, I need you. And it might be the first time that you're calling on God. And I just need you to show up today, God. And he hasn't answered yet. And he's been quiet. And he's been, he's been waiting to see if you would continue to come to him. Have you just prayed once? Or have you learned what contention, contending in prayer really looks like? See, unanswered prayer looks different in a lot of different ways. And there are certain reasons that we may not see answers. There are certain things that may cause answers not to come. And sometimes the thing that we're praying for, God has a different purpose and a different reason that we see in our life. And I kind of want to tell a few stories today. I kind of want to get real today on, on some of the things that, that we'll experience in life because this is, this is a real walk. It's not all hunky-dory. Not every prayer does get answered right away. And it takes effort. It takes time. See, a marriage isn't always beautiful. A marriage isn't always amazing. That, that date that turned into a conversation, that turned into a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth date to where you really liked that person and that person was really amazing and you fell in love and you said, let's get married, and you got married, and 10 years down the road you're looking at each other going, oh. <laughs> it's not easy. It doesn't always go the way you think it will. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you've got to die to yourself. 
Sometimes you got to give up what you wanted. I'm getting way off track here, but I got, there's, not too long ago, Amy Winkleman's, or Amy Rice, I got to correct that. Amy Rice's dad, Dan Winkleman, came and gave a story about his testimony with pancreatic cancer. And I remember a story that she told me one day about the fact that his cancer and all the things, it was stage four cancer, it was incurable, inoperable, all these things. And prayer happened, and and people began to believe God. And he went through some pain. And he went through some hurt. He went through times to which he did not think he was going to survive. He thought it was done. He thought it was over. And all of a sudden, it became operable. And all of a sudden, they took it out. And he experienced infection and more pain and more scares of dying. But you know what? In the midst of that, the doctor that was taking care of Dan Winkleman said, this is a miracle. Said this, I cannot explain this. I don't know how this happened. You should be dead. And all of a sudden, his disease became a testimony, maybe an answer to somebody else's prayer that this guy would experience who God is. Are you willing to go through the pain of maybe possible death so that someone else could receive Jesus? Have you ever looked at your pain like that? That was such a testimony to her. All she was doing was telling me about this experience this doctor had. I don't even know if if he accepted Christ. But he understood then that it had to be something beyond the control of humans. That there was something greater out there. Something that caused a miracle to happen. Maybe your pain and your hurt, your unanswered prayer is someone else's miracle. It's hard to look at it that way. I I ask myself the question, would you do it again if you knew that that was the only person that got touched? Because Jesus would have died if you were the only one. Tough question. It's how we view our unanswered prayers sometimes as to how we can step forward into the next realm. I'm going to go over a few things that may hinder prayer. In James 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, What is the source of the quarrels and the conflicts among you? Is the source not your pleasures that wage war in your body's parts? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend what, what you request on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The focus is, we do not receive what we ask for because we ask with the wrong motives. What are you asking for? Why are you asking it? What's driving you to prayer? Are you driving you to prayer? Are people you love driving you to prayer? Or is your passion and pursuit for God driving you to prayer? 
Are you pursuing God for an answered prayer for, for the things of this world? If I just had this car, God, I would, I would totally be able to get a, a lady or a man. If I just had a beautiful house, I could invite people over. And we begin to focus on the things of the world, and they begin to dilute our prayer because our motives are wrong. The world's lust and desire become our motivation for prayer. And instead of bringing absolute passion and pursuit for God himself and then for the desires that he has for this world, we bring the passions of the world. What are your motives when you pray? Are you asking? The portion before that says you do not have because you do not ask. And you're not getting an answer because you're asking with wrong motives. You say, yeah, I'm just waiting for God to show up, uh, you know, at my job. Well, have you asked him to? I'm just waiting for God to take care of my finances. Well, have you asked him to? Are your motives right? But begin to ask yourself, why, why do I want my finances fixed? Why do I want God to show up at my job? You have to ask yourself the tough questions. This is something that I do on a daily basis. This, this message preaches to me just as strong as it preaches to you. And we need to ask ourselves the hard questions that bring us into a depth of prayer and pursuit for God that allows Him to show up in every aspect of our life. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. What does your heart look like? Again, back to motives. What are your motives? Are they wicked? Wicked isn't just murder. Wicked is selfishness. Wicked is looking after yourself before looking after others. Wicked is only wanting what you want and not taking into consideration what other people want. Wicked is forsaking the joy and the passion of the Lord for your own joy and passion. He says he will not hear. <laughs> Here's a good one. 1 Peter 3.7 You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a, is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Woo! Is the way you're treating your wife hindering your prayers? And I'll challenge you farther. It just says husbands, but wives. Is the way you treat your, your husband hindering your prayer? Is the way you treat your friends? Is the way you treat your parents hindering your prayer? That's a commandment. Honor your father and mother. What's hindering your prayer? What are your motives? What does your heart look like? Mark 11, verses 24 through 25. Therefore, I say to you, all things... For which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, 
if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your offenses. Is unforgiveness hindering your prayer? Is something you're holding against somebody else hindering your prayer? It's going to hinder your salvation. Truth. The Bible says that if we do not forgive others, He will not forgive us. Unforgiveness will take you straight to the pit. That's a harsh reality. What is the bitterness of your heart? What are you holding against other people? What is pulling you away from God? Hinders your prayer. Persistent prayer. This is one of my favorites. Persistent prayer. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Jesus tells a parable. He says, says, now he was telling them a parable to show them that all times they ought to pray and not become discouraged. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect any person. Now there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my opponent. For a while while... For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect any person, yet because this widow is bothering me, I will give her justice. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, listen to what the unrighteous judge said. Now will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay for them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, the Son of Man comes. Will he find faith on this earth? Are you coming after God day and night? See, the persistence of the widow drove the man who did not fear God nor man crazy. Have you ever asked for something so much, somebody was like, all right, if you'll just leave me alone. That is what this judge was at. Are you constantly knocking on the door of God for your prayers? Are you trying to get your prayers answered? Are you, are you contending for that which you, have, you desire? Are you contending for people? Are you contending for revival? Are you contending for salvation? Are you contending for God to show up in your life? Are you being persistent day and night? Or are you saying one prayer and then being like, well, God didn't answer that. Whew. You only asked once. And you nullify the prayer by saying, well, God didn't answer. You just spoke the answer. Power of your words. That's a whole other sermon. We'll be here forever. Power of your words. Don't nullify your prayers. When you begin to pray, begin to speak belief. I already know you've answered it, Lord, but I'm going to continue asking until I see. I'm going to put my faith where my mouth is, and I'm going to continue to push and so that I can see the answer to the prayer. I'm going to speak it before I see it, because when I speak it, it'll come to pass. God said that the life and death resides in the power of the tongue, and if you speak life, life will come. If you speak death, well, guess what? There it comes. How do you treat your prayers? Speak life into them. The disciples had this question. They said, Lord, how teach me to pray? I think we all have this question. I don't know how to to pray, God. I started in a one-minute prayer. 
and I can't seem to get beyond that. I don't know how to pray to you. I don't know how to go deep into prayer. And the disciples had the same question that we all have. Teach me to pray. How do we pray, Lord? And Jesus answered this question. This is what happens when you throw your notes everywhere. You want to find it. Okay. He said, teach us to pray. Jesus said this. He said, pray then in this way. Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be that your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This was Jesus' answer. And you may say, well, that ain't even a minute. That was his answer? Are you serious? His answer was a foundation for you to build off of. See, in this prayer, God is not just saying, he's not just giving an example, but he, what he's doing is he's showing a declaration, how to begin your prayers, how to end your prayers. He's declare, he says, declare of the acknowledgement of God's power and authority. Our Father who is in heaven, how would be thy name? God's power and authority. Call his kingdom to this earth. Make this a part of your prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. we got to begin to declare the kingdom of God, that which resides in heaven, on this earth if we want to see God move. He says, give us this day our daily bread. The acceptance of his word in our lives. The acceptance of his word in our lives. This is his word. You may say, God's not responding to me. Have you looked? Have you desired his answers? Are you calling to him in his word? Are you daily coming after him? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We just went over this. Forgive us, O Lord, as we forgive others. I hold nothing against anyone else. Please forgive me of my debts. Because often other people's sin looks a lot stinkier than yours. But I'm here to tell you, it smells the same, regardless of looks. It's all the same. Forgive us, O Lord, as we forgive those that, that, that have debted us, that have sinned against us, that persecuted us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The deliverance of an evil generation, the deliverance from temptations, that we see over and over again. And I'm here to tell you today that prayer, the focus of prayer, if you're not praying daily, you're probably, you're probably uh, experiencing a lot of temptation. You're probably experiencing a lot of things of the world. Why? Because you're not spending time in prayer. Your focus isn't God. Your focus is this world. See, God is only your focus one hour a day on a Sunday just to come and fill a seat, just to come and, and, and to get your, your righteousness in. It's got to go beyond that, because if it doesn't go beyond that, your focus will never change. When your focus becomes God, your focus will no longer be the world. And when it is no longer the world, you will no longer be tempted by the world. You keep falling into the temptations of the world because you're not seeking the God that is outside of it. Deliver us, O Lord. This is foundational prayer. It's a starting place. 
It's a place where we become intentional with God. It's a place where we, we come and we experience God and we begin to show Him that we desire His will on this earth and His will in our lives. God wants to show up in your life. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have results which we have asked for from him. We know. This is the confidence. The song my confidence is his faithfulness. We pray with the confidence of knowing that he will be faithful. He will be faithful. He will come in and he will begin to meet you where you're at. Some of you have, have, haven't prayed to God in years. This is your first time in church in a long time. And you, you don't even know what it looks like to seek God anymore. Maybe this is the first time you're even here and you're like, this guy is crazy. I'm crazy for God because I've been spending time in prayer focusing on him. And I want to see him show up in your life the way he showed up in my life. I want to see him turn your life around the way he turned my life around. And it starts in prayer. It starts with a desire for him. Second Chronicles, chapter 7. Verses 13 through 14. God is talking to Solomon. And Solomon built a temple for God to reside in. A place that God could reside and be amongst his people, where his presence could settle. And God begins to speak to Solomon. He told Solomon that if I ever... Shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send a plague among my people. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. He was saying, I have called this my place. I've called this my home. But if. If my people begin to run from me and I have to take away their reins, if I have to take, if I have to send the locusts and begin to devour their land, and if I have to send a plague to get them to turn back to me. Some of you have been a temple of God. See, the New Testament says that we are now the temple of God. It's no longer Solomon's temple. We are a place where the presence of God can reside. Some of you have had the presence of God residing in you, and you are experiencing a dry place. You are experiencing a place of depravity. And in the world, we're experiencing a plague. And God is saying, I have, I have disconnected you right now, and I'm trying to get you to see something. Maybe your unanswered prayer is trying to bring you to God. Maybe the sickness and the disease you're experiencing or the hurt and the pain that you've seen in your family and that you've seen in all your friends and that you've seen all over you is drawing you to, to a closer walk with God. 
And he says, it looks like there's no rain. It looks like the, the land has been completely devoured and the plague is taking over and people are dying day after day. He's saying, when are you going to stop? Humble yourself and begin to pray. When will you pray? How long is it going to take? When will you contend for yourself, your salvation, for other people's salvation? When will you seek me and quit seeking the world so that I can come and heal your land and spend time in the temple that I've designed for myself? God is calling you today. He's calling you to a relationship with Him, to a prayer relationship with Him. He desires you. In a moment, I, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer of salvation, a confession of Jesus Christ, a confession that He died for your sins and that you can be reconnected with God regardless of your past, of your present, and of what your future looks like. Because God will change that future. He was telling Solomon that if you humble yourself, and pray and seek my face I will come that promise is just as true today as it was back then and it has greater power today with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Bible says that all we have to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord and we shall be saved that he will give us eternal life 1 John 5 11 through 12, a couple of verses just before the other uh, passage that I read. It says, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar. Do you believe God today? Maybe you came in here and you're like, I don't know if this guy is real. I don't know if this guy is true. But I've run out of options. And this is what drives us to prayer. And it's not a bad thing to be driven to prayer through desperation. But maybe you ran out of options and you found yourself here today and here I am hounding on you that you need to begin a relationship with God and that you need to begin to pray. Allow this desperation to change the trajectory of your life. The one who believes in the Son has the testimony of him himself. The one who does not believe has made him a liar. In your disbelief, you have called God a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony of God that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son Jesus. The one who has the son has the life. The one who does not have the son does not have the life. It's pretty simple. It's pretty laid out. Do you have the son? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed him as your savior? God is calling you today. You've been praying, maybe not for yourself, but you've been praying for so many others. And you have not seen the answer. But because you have not received Jesus as your Savior, because you have not confessed Him before your family and before your friends and before all those around you, you are not seeing the answers to your prayers because you are spending time in the world and with the world. God's calling you to pray today. He's calling us to pray. I believe that he is going to start a revival of prayer. 
he's calling us to our knees, that he's calling us to the altar, that we, that we have been complaining too long of unanswered prayers and that, that we need to begin to spend the time in contention for the things of God. Because God contended for us. He contended for you today. Let's stand. If you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer of confession of Jesus Christ, or maybe you, you, your walk has not been what it should be, I challenge you today to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it. Most people in here are going to pray it. Let the desire of your heart be turned towards God and ask Him to come in. I'm going to start this prayer, and if you've never prayed this before, I just want you to, to, to speak it and declare it over your life. And God will come in, and He will be faithful. So just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I receive you as Christ the Savior. I receive you as my God. I acknowledge Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. And as He rose from the grave, He gives me new life. I receive this life. I ask, Lord, that you would dwell in my heart now. That you would begin to change my life and put me on a course that is running after you. I declare that as you come back a second time, that I will be standing in your armies, that I will be believing in your righteousness, and that you will be my king. I receive you now, Jesus. Take this life and make it what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Hallelujah. If you have done that for the first time, I commend you. There are a lot of us in this place, and I know I'm going over time, and I know this is taking longer than some of you want to be here, but there are a lot of us in this place that have been praying for things and that have not received answers. And you're waiting on that answer, and you're contending, and you've been asking for your father and your mother to receive God. You've been asking for healing. You've been asking for deliverance, and you've been waiting on God to answer your prayer. Maybe it's for yourself, your own healing, your own deliverance. God wants to answer your prayer. But are you willing to contend for it? Are you willing to place it at the altar of God? I'm going to challenge you that if you have something that you have been praying for, for a long time, for an extended time, maybe it's only been a day, but you need the answer, I I encourage you to come to this altar and to begin to pray and acknowledge before God. If you need God to do something in your family, for your son or your daughter, for your mom or your dad, for your relatives, for your friends, I ask you to come to this altar and lay it before God, and I want to pray with you and over you as you pray. So if you've got something, I just want you to come now. The worship team is going to begin to worship. You can begin to worship. But if you've got something that you need prayer for, that you've been contending for, I want you to come. I want you to come.
Don't let the devil make you stay where you are and continue to receive the unanswered prayers. But get up here and begin to spend time with God. God wants to see a people contend for those other ones that are lost. He wants you to get serious. He wants you to get serious about the ones that need Him. He wants you to get serious about being healed. He wants you to get serious about being delivered. He wants you to get serious in the name of Jesus. Begin to lay your request before God at the altar because His blood is worthy, it is holy, and it is powerful so that you may receive the answer. Don't let the devil have his way. Sometimes getting humble before God and, and, and he says, humble yourself, pray, seek my face and I will heal your land. Are we going to get real before him today? Are we going to begin to pray and to contend for his righteousness in this, in this land? I want to see healing. I want to see my dad saved. In the name of Jesus, I declare it right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare it. I want to see Stephen's point saved in the name of Jesus. I want to see him marching for his righteousness. I want to see him declaring the Almighty God, his presence. I just take command over this city right now in Jesus' name. And we declare to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. And we take it back for the name of Jesus Christ. We tell you, devil, you cannot have it. We declare revival in this house. We declare revival in the name of Jesus. Let the blood of the Lamb be the declaration of our hearts. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at We Are Refuge.